<laughs> All right. Well, Pastor Jonathan Stockstill, thank you so much, man, for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, it's good to be here. Good to hang out with you. Amen. Well, uh, I have just a few questions for you. I want to honor your time. Uh, your, your father, Pastor Larry Stockstill, living legend. Um, I can't wait to go to Pastors University here shortly in June and spend some time with him. He's making an impact on a global scale. After he said, you know, I want to, um, you know, hand you to church and walk us through that. I mean, the fears that you had and, and going through that, walk us through what, what happened and what that looked like. I could say a lot, but I think I'll, I'll choose my words carefully. I feel like uh, each one of us gets our purpose directly from God. We don't get our purpose from others or from uh, our genealogy. Our purpose has to come from God. And we all have unique graces and gifts, and uh, we have to be obedient to God's call on our life. And so my dad is and was an amazing leader. Uh, he, he was the leader of our church. And now he's the leader of different organizations. And uh, he's, he's always been an amazing voice. Uh, but I've always looked at my calling as unique and independent. And uh, the Lord has something for me that's, that is what it is for me. And we get into big trouble when we compare ourselves because we always try to live up to somebody else's standards or somebody else's uh, example, and we miss what God has for us. So I think uh, I've always just endeavored to be true to the call of God on my life and celebrate the amazing anointing and gifting and calling that my dad has because it's it's a beautiful calling. And um, so I think that that, that balance of – celebrating who he is and what he's done and also acknowledging that God's hand is on my life as well to do things. It's been what's been my, uh, I don't know, driving force. So and that's incredible. Uh, when I think about your father and I think about the Stockstill family, I think about legacy, speak to legacy. If you would, just for a moment, what's the difference between leaving a legacy and leaving an inheritance for your children, for the church speak specifically to legacy. Hmm. So, gosh, you and I have both seen people that do ministry well, but maybe not do family well. And you have people who looks like it sh they shook the world, and then their kids don't even follow Christ, or you know. And I think it's possible to win in some areas and lose in some areas, for sure. And and I can tell you the area where you shouldn't lose is with your family. And that starts with your marriage and uh, people should, if you're a man, people should be able to interview your wife and her think that you're the man of God that everybody else sees and um, that, that you are really a godly leader. And then I think your kids should rise up and call you blessed. And if a man can't steward his house, well, he can't steward God's house. Well, so, for me, it's legacy always starts with your flesh and blood. It starts with your, uh, the people under your own roof. And we have to do that well. And then comes the ministry side of it. And there's lots of spiritual sons and daughters. And, uh, but I, I think the key to true legacy 
is in your flesh and blood heirs and some people don't have flesh and blood heirs and i think then they're surrounded with spiritual heirs that they uh, care for but so yeah my thoughts on legacy are if you want to leave a legacy focus on your family focus on your your flesh and blood everything else can come and go but man you gotta if you're a man you've got to be the priest of your home you've got to be the pastor of your home uh so yeah it's my thoughts on that that's so good you have four children been married for over 13 years talking about legacy how do you balance all that you do with the church all that you do musically all that you got going on and balance your family knowing that it's all about legacy starts in the home what's what would you say to people who haven't done a good job of balancing ministry, marriage, ministry, and family? So th- sometimes people have this thought that lingers in the back of their mind, man, I should, I should be doing more to, with my kids. I should be, I should be a better husband or I should, they have those lingering thoughts. Those lingering thoughts need to be listened to because uh, <laughs> if those thoughts are there, then you do need to stop what you're doing and focus on that that area. You can't just say, oh man, I wish that I had more time to spend with my family. It doesn't matter what it takes, you better do it because you have short time with those kids before they're not really impressionable by you anymore. And um, so you say, how do I keep balance? I prioritize my family way above the ministry and uh my time with them and if i ever get that feeling in the back of my mind like gosh i should be spending more time with my kids i don't even i I just drop whatever it is and and i just go for my family and uh my kids are not full grown yet but they're turning out to be amazing and one thing they know for sure is that their dad loves them and that he spends time with them They, they would never question that so um the way to balance it is to prioritize clearly in your heart what matters more. And uh, it's easy for me. What matters more is my family. And um, yeah, if we don't have our family, we don't have anything else. We don't have, we don't have a ministry. We don't have, if our marriage is out of order and our kids are out of order, we really have no business trying to to lead other people. So I think that's, That's, that's just my input. You know, somebody might disagree with me. But that's, no, that's goal. That's goal right there. You talk about prioritizing in your heart. I think many pastors, let's specifically speak to pastors here, many pastors prioritize family in their heart, but I think their heads, their minds, they're on vacation but with their family, but their minds are back with the ministry. What have you practically done in your mind to be present in the moment? Your children are playing the piano or a recital. You're on vacation with them. Most pastors, you know, they're there, but they're not there. So what would you specifically, real fast, speak practically to those, to those people? That's hard. It's hard, hard, hard. Because once your mind is on something, big decisions you have to make, or once your mind is on something, it's almost impossible to peel it away. So you can be there in body, but not, not truly there. The best tool that I have, the most practical tool I have, is to abandon my phone in another room. So like, I'll leave my phone in my bathroom, which is the furthest part of the home from anything else, and will discipline myself to leave it in there. Uh, 
and not go check it, just, just leave it. And, and I'll have instincts, man, go get it. Cause something might, you might need to, whatever the case may be. And I just leave it in there for hours. And uh, that would be the best thing I could tell people is abandon the phone somewhere and just, just leave it because that's, you know, if you have it on your person, you're going to pull it out. When, when things are quiet in the room, you're going to pull it out and you're going to dive into something. So um, that's, that's my personal hack is just leave it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, for that's, sure. That's specifically to um, the Sunday service uh, Kanye West did on the field. Um, I know you faced lots of pushback, maybe even some criticism, maybe got some emails about that. What Talk to us about that decision. You get contacted by his yeah. people. And how did you handle the criticism after Bethany was the first church who allowed him to come to Sunday service, if I'm not mistaken? And then we saw churches all over the nation um, be a part of that. So you guys really led the way and and just proclaiming Jesus' name there. So talk to us about what went into yeah. that decision and how you handled that. Well, I'll, I'll give you a short version. Uh, a guy who promotes concerts and stuff had, had worked with Kanye in the past drove past the crosses. This is right after Kanye had released the record, Jesus is King. He took a snapshot of the crosses and texted it to Kanye and said, you should do a concert here. And Kanye said, yes, he just felt like he should. So he walked into the front, uh, the promoter walked into the front doors of our offices and said that he was with Kanye West and they wanted to use the crosses as a place to do a concert. And, um, the, our front desk receptionist thought he was kidding, you know, but when it had passed on the information, and they called me. I was actually in New Orleans, and they called me. And um, the guy who was my executive pastor is like, "Hey, you're not gonna believe this. Uh, Kanye West people want to use the crosses as a as a place to do a concert." And I just started laughing. I was like, "Man, there's no way. That's got to be bogus." And uh, he said, "No, it's for real." So uh, I said, "Well, I can't answer. Let me let me think about it." You know, because at the time, everybody's wondering like. Is Kanye, is he faking this? Like, what's, what's the deal? And after 24 hours of thinking about it and praying about it, I was like, you know, I'm not asking him to be an elder in the church and to get up and teach God's word and to like break down scriptures for us or say, this is a man of example, of example, follow him. I'm just like the blind man that was healed and said, hey, look, all I know is I once was blind and now I see. I'm going to let this guy give a testimony uh, in the open air. So the way I reasoned it was like, this is a guy who's found Christ and it's going to give his testimony. So that was my, that was my whole thought behind it. And uh, boy, he did. And thousands of people that night responded to the gospel. It was pretty amazing. Uh, it was one of the most life-changing events I, I've been to. It was so great. And I don't have any regrets about doing it. So I caught a little bit of heat here and there some people thought it was politically motivated which was hilarious it was had nothing to do with politics and just was hey this is a guy who says i found christ and i want to hear about it so uh, that's well, kind of how that all happened it's incredible how did you handle that pushback criticism and most people they get bitter instead of better most it sinks most pastors most leaders you think everybody's gonna love you and everybody's gonna agree with every decision you make so how do you how did how do you handle that? What would you speak to those people? I'll tell you this, and it may surface again later in our conversation. But leaders lead based upon convictions of heart, not what everybody thinks. And Aaron and Moses represent two different types of leaders. Moses 
against popular opinion was gone for 40 days. <laughs> and Aaron is there with the people. The people said, give us a God. And he was like, he made him a God, even though he knew better. And it was just two different types of leaders. Insecure leaders only say what people tell them to say and do what people tell them to do. And those type people, number one, they're miserable because they're not true to their core. Uh, number two, uh, is they become insignificant because they don't matter. There's no, they, they don't, they're not salty at all. If, if salt loses its flavor, it's no good. So great leaders have to lead by conviction and to be a spiritual leader. It's, it's a, it's a great thing because I don't do what I think I need to do. I submit everything that, that I feel like I should do to the Holy spirit and to the word of God. And I actually have very clear instructions from God. So I do what I feel the Holy Spirit lead me to do. And, and if people don't like it or whatever, then I just, I've learned to deal with it because I don't like it when not everybody likes me, but that's just leadership 101. And it just, it just it is how it is. So I just go with what the Holy Spirit tells me and what I feel in the word. And, you know, if people follow, they follow. If they don't, they don't. But I'm not going to defend myself. That's a hard thing to do. So how long did you how long did it take you to to get that or the, oh man that? i'm still learning it i'm still still learning it because i want to everybody wants to please people everybody wants people to be happy with them uh, and some personalities are fighters some people are affectionate and i am a lover of people and so i don't like to not be liked by people but i've learned and am learning that great leadership follows conviction. So that's just my two bits. Cool. That's cool. I have to take some notes. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. You write music. You have uh, been a worship leader for many years. Uh, I believe you've written um, over a hundred songs. Is that correct? Yeah, man. Uh, gosh, I, I don't know. Probably more. <laughs> Seems like more. Written over a hundred songs over that, over 10 albums. Do you have a favorite song? What's been your favorite song over the years? Or what's your favorite song right now? Man, uh, I think if it, the songs that I like that I've written probably are not the most popular, but they feel the best to play. They feel the best to sing. And I really attach to the meaning of it. Uh, I've always liked the song I want to be used by you because it was like from the gut of my heart, man. I just cried that out to the Lord. Uh, I like the song that I wrote called, um, speak, uh, your voice echoes over mighty waters. It's a, I, I love to play that song. love to sing it. So maybe those two. Awesome. What's the fastest, yeah. you, what's the fastest you ever wrote a song? What's like the oh. ever got came to you, man. I've written songs in, five minutes for real you know <laughs> what's crazy is i can work on a song for a year or i can work on a song for five minutes and sometimes you just have this download and sometimes it takes labor so yeah well, well, well let's put that to, let's let's put that to the test here uh every 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 interview i do some type of challenge whether it's an illustration with you we're gonna we're gonna do a, a song and so i'll read a bible verse to you and we'll give you about one minute to come up with a hook or a course. Okay. And um, I'm going to read a Bible verse that I think applies to us all during this season, specifically where people are at. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 5. This is what the Word of God says. It says, I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. 
and I'm going to heal your land. And so once again, okay, like, I've heard your prayers. I've seen your tears. And I'm going to heal your land. Okay. You ready? I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. And I'm going to heal your land. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. And I'm going to heal your land. That's what everybody says. I've heard Maybe you can bring it up the key. I've heard the prayers, I've seen the tears, and I'll heal your land. All right, there you go. How about that, brother? Man, <laughs> incredible. So what goes into writing for people who want to write music? You just hear a verse, and I mean, that's... That's a song right there that brings so much healing to our nation, even right now. What goes into writing music? How do you even uh, man, time, discipline. Uh, I think people think people think songs just happen, but it's like a painter standing in front of a palette. Until you pick up a brush and you start painting, all you got is a blank palette. And most people wait forever to be inspired or wait for like something to come and it's really a discipline it's like hey pick up the brush and start to paint and then you'll know what you have so uh i think that's probably the biggest key is like man it doesn't just happen by itself you gotta do it so people people uh don't actually do it and they wish that man i wish i could write well write. so that's that's my biggest input there man, that's so good now let's yeah take a moment and um you know, you just sung a song about healing and about seeing people's tears. Uh, we see so much injustice in our world, over 400 years of oppression. And we see racism. And you've always been a leading voice. You've always used your platform to stand up for what's right and to, to speak into injustice and to speak against racism. And I just wonder even right now, if you would take some time, just a few minutes that we have left and speak, speak to the current situation of our nation and and speak healing to, you know, whoever may be watching this, this interview. I will. So, well, such a huge topic and it's, I have so much to say about it. I was actually telling my wife this, this morning, it's like, I have so much to say. I feel like a volcano that wants to erupt. But the bad thing is, is we can't say everything because people's attention spans are really bad. So really you can only say a few things uh, and you can say so much that it doesn't matter anymore what you say. So choosing my words is like, is important, but this is what I would say in this interview in this short time is that this issue is so complicated and it's, it's not simple. Uh, there's a, there's, it's a gradient of opinions and ideas. Uh, it's vast. It can be overwhelming. It can feel like, man, I don't know. I'm, should I turn myself in? Am I a criminal for being a white guy or 
uh, should I, should I open an organization that helps people? You know, there's all kind of, um, there's just a bazillion thoughts. So simplicity is not, is not easy in this moment. Uh, I'll give you some examples. You know, injustices have been done by police officers and that's horrible, but not all police officers are bad. There's great police officers. I know them. They lay down their lives for people. They're kind to people. So that's not a simple issue. Um, when you talk about incarcerations, why are so many black people in jails? And when you talk about economic disparity and you talk about redlining or there's, you could, you could go on and on and on for like these complicated issues. You could go on about, um, um, solutions, proposed solutions. There's a million, you know, Bethany has a mentoring program because I think that's one of the best ways to help, uh, the African-American population here in Baton Rouge is mentoring. They need fathers and there's so many ideas on solutions. And so what I'm saying is it's complicated. It's massively complicated. It's not just easy strokes, right? But there is one thing that's super simple and that's the law of love. And the law of love is spelled out in first Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. And for, as a Christian, the heart of love is seen in empathy, compassion, concern. And I think it's everybody in the kingdom of God has got to have a heart to be united and to love people. And so my posture in all of this has always been, has always been I don't understand everything. Uh, I haven't figured it all out. And actually, I haven't found somebody who has figured it all out. But I do know this is I care a ton. I grieve when there is injustice. I hate to see inequality. I hate to see discrimination. I hate to see racism of all kinds. And my heart is just so, so burdened. So I think uh, in this short statement of what I'm telling you is this is it's not simple. It's complicated. And it goes, like you said, for hundreds of years. And it's changed over hundreds of years. But the law of love remains the same. And we can be tenderhearted, compassionate, uh, sympathetic towards one another, fight for one another. So, yeah, that's what I would, that's what I would say. The law of love. Thank you so much. Thank you yep. so much. I think I speak on behalf of so many people. It says thank you for using your platform and your voice. Thank you for having the heart you have. I wonder, just in closing, if you would pray for us specifically about our current state as a nation and pray for healing. Pray that, pray that verse um, that you sang, you know, just that God would heal our land. So Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for every person that's going to watch this and going to listen to this. Lord, I pray that right now they would join their faith with David and I. And we just pray for healing in our nation. God, I pray that your church would continue to be the lighthouse of love, that your church would continue to be the lighthouse uh, of your gospel. And that, Lord, we would, we would share love and spread love all around. Lord, we just pray for healing. Pray for those that are hurting right now, for those who feel uh, injustice all around them. Pray you would heal their hearts. I pray for comfort. I pray for peace. And Lord, I pray for unity amongst your body right now. 
And uh, Lord, we ask this in your name. Heal our land. Heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for spending time. Yes, sir. It was great, Hank.